Welcome to episode uh, 32 of Expanding Beyond. Uh, for us, it's after the holidays. Uh, for you, hopefully, this episode isn't coming out too late. <laughs> we might be running a few days late, but who knows? And before we start, I uh, would like to thank everyone listening uh, for basically listening to us because we just <laughs> reached uh, 2000 downloads uh, across Whoop. all episodes. And that is kind of, kind of amazing. Um, thank you, we've people. Been recently. Yeah. Let's see how that how that continues. Yes, we are very grateful and extremely happy that you find what we what we say interesting in the end. Uh, so, uh, as we said from the very beginning, we're doing this because we like to talk to each other and we like to share ideas and and uh, and opinions on topics. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's very nice to to know that uh, there's people that find our ramblings also uh interesting and worth spending some time with yeah it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so i've been back now for uh maybe two weeks from my holiday it was like it was a very nice three and a half weeks of basically no work i didn't take a computer with me on my phone there's nothing work related so it would have been hard to reach me anyway because the internet was so bad um <laughs> Yeah, now I'm, we are sort of as a team in the middle of, I don't know, I, I find it as a bit of an annoying uh, phase uh, because we are trying to rebuild uh, one part of our uh, ecosystem. This um, hasn't been touched or hasn't been a priority for a few years now. So of course, all the people that wrote the original code basically moved on from the company. Um, I'm sort of as a someone who came back. I have the advantage that I might remember a few things because mm -hmm. I wrote them, but that was, that was like six, seven years ago. Yeah. Good luck with that. And it's not only that you have to remember the code, but of course the system changes sort of, you might just have more, more activity going on. And of course we are dealing with connections to third party APIs and then they, of course, sometimes in a big way, sometimes in a rather subtle, unexpected way, they change as well, which of course means that these days we are basically unsure of almost all the connections to third party APIs that we have here <laughs> in a sense of, yes, they do work now, but we don't know what it would take for them to break and how, how, how good they are. I mean, it was sort of recognized, um, and that's why this team uh, was built. But we are spending so much time basically trying to keep the system running and that it, it feels like we have almost no time right now to actually do any development on, on the new stuff, which is, I mean, the, the, the other thing there, of course, is that it's right now, it's basically two people, two developers who know what they are doing because we've been with the company for a bit longer. We have two new, two new more that have recently joined, uh, but they are still, of course, in their onboarding phase and they are can't do that much yet so we are sort of uh yeah we are a bit of a in a bit of a bind and then we sort of of course um if you if you build something uh, your your sort of uh, product management always would like to roughly know when you think it's going to be done and now we want to change that estimate because uh that's kind of <laughs> infeasible <laughs> to do it like that <laughs> and the, the question is how much can you sort of add to the estimate how many months can you add before you have the eyebrows going too high basically <laughs> oh my god yes 
Yeah, this is basically where we are. And and sort of pre-show, we talked a bit about it and I realized that we didn't really make a full estimation of the project anyway. Mm -hmm. We just sort of, I don't know, we stuck our fingers in the air and guessed the number more or less, I guess. Also because, like I said, there are so many people have left that it's kind of kind of hard to fully understand what you have to build. So this is where uh, intuitively, I think, I was doing the right thing early in my career when uh, being asked by a, a PM, like, oh, how long this is going to take? I was like, man, I never worked on this area of the code. So I'm just going to double the number because I have no idea what I'm going to find. Uh, so there, there is inevitably some, well, there is correlation between not knowing where you're heading and the, the increase in the, in the estimate. If you were to dig into the details, that's why, you know, like you need spike and you need, you know, some research done here and there, and potentially you need people that know that uh, since uh, the beginning, mm. then your, your estimation is going to become more accurate, but you need to spend time estimating. And then there the trade-off is um, between the accuracy of the estimation, like do you want to be 100% accurate? But then basically you're yes, doing or do the you work, want to get it done yeah <laughs> right um yeah. or do you want an estimation so that you can plan how important is that is that project that feature that that piece of code is it really worth going deeper than x days or x hours on uh, on estimating on on figuring out what actually needs to be to be done so i can't imagine like for bigger projects that this makes sense and that's why like spending time estimating and, and going deeper into into all the details especially when they are dangerous like you know you have to uh basically uh you know change the the engine fix the engine while the car is running then yeah. it makes sense uh to to spend more time and be more cautious and and having a better and, and more accurate estimation also for knowing better what you need to do for for smaller projects it's like yeah yeah i mean here we are sort of we are now sort of connecting to the first external api mm -hmm. in in the new app that we are trying to build and this is of course the the most uh problematic one because once you've built that first one you sort of have a rough idea how long stuff it's going to take for the yeah. next ones maybe maybe at least a bit uh, but right now it's like, how long is it going to take us to build all the technical bits, right? That we need so that the other ones we build in the future are easier to do. And how often do we have to shuffle around the architecture until we find something that works? And this is the other thing. It's very important. It's um, in order to be more accurate with, with your estimate, having experience on having done the same thing before is, uh, is valuable, is very, very valuable. Because then you kind of know that area in the code, you, you, you know what, uh, what are the potential pitfalls. Um, you have already some stuff in place that can help. So uh, that makes it, uh, makes it easier to, to assess. Yeah. And on, and on top of that, we are sort of uh, basically discovering all the pitfalls in the old implementations mm -hmm. that are around currently where we spend all the time firefighting and trying to sort of decide do we want to fix that now or do we just go as far as trying to understand what went wrong and sort of apply a, apply a band aid and then 
once we get around to rebuilding it, then we sort of take it into account. Yeah. It just, I mean, you could, of course, fix everything, but in the end, we want to replace that whole thing and throw it out. So it's, it's always a, a hard decision to make what to do. Yeah. There's a, I don't know, I, if you want to rebuild it, I don't think it really makes sense to go there and, you know, fix yeah, on the, the other hand, stuff. Customers are already paying for it, right? So <laughs> it's always this thing to keep in mind. True. Do they pay for your, for you fixing it? I mean, they pay for it to sort of work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, the, the finer details will never will never do, but this sort of sometimes they are just big things that uh, okay. don't work or sort of are gaps there and as sort of. In this, this B2B world, this is always sort of, you have a contract for, I don't know, a year, two years, and you always have to keep that in mind. If you want to sort of keep the customer for longer, yes. or you want to upsell them on something, then you sort of more or less need to keep them happy. Very true. Uh, the business to business world is still a bit uh, arcane to me. <laughs> like I, I had little bit of exposure when I was early in my career, but not until until lately. It, it creates a very interesting dynamic. So the company I work for right now um, started as a business to consumer um, mm. company. So for example, in the values of the company, one of the values is that we do everything with the user in mind. But moving to a business to business to consumer model means that our first touch point is not the user, it's the customer, it's the partner we are, uh, we are having a contract with that uh, helps us on, I don't know, advertising our product towards uh, doctors or our intermediary are the doctors. So mm -hmm. unless they know about you uh, and they find uh, interesting working with you, then you don't have access to the user because the user literally can like, okay, they could uh, download the app and go to their doctors like, hey, I want this, but it's not, uh, it's not automatic because we also don't spend, really spend money uh, advertising towards users because they are not the one actually purchasing us. So it makes for, for a very interesting, uh, I see it as a dance trying to uh, fulfill the needs of the users. So keeping mm -hmm. the, the end user in mind, but still also catering to the needs of the intermediates or the internal customers even, um, because we have plenty of uh, internal customers as, as a product engineering uh, team that uh, still use our product, but from a, a different angle. They use our dashboards, they use our, um, our reports, uh, all this kind of stuff. So you have uh, also your internal sales team uh, being a customer in a way, uh, or customer support. Yeah. So what I found pretty interesting and maybe challenging is basically in this B2B world, uh, sales cycles are pretty, pretty long, right? Mm -hmm. It can take you over a year or two uh, to actually uh, have a contract with the customer, right? And I would assume this is sort of the reason why some of the salespeople have told to me they are not necessarily uh, selling actual features in the product. They are basically selling a vision of what it could be. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, sometimes you end up in the case where 
this wasn't clear to ev everyone and then stuff gets sold and then it needs to be built quickly. exactly <laughs> and that goes back to the topic of the deadlines because uh we have encountered this uh exactly this uh air quotes problem before i joined and uh, especially when you are a young company you need customers right so when you go and try to sell a vision it has to be a compelling vision it's for we we were having this discussion not not long ago uh after i joined it's like yes we can tell them you know it's like oh uh users won't won't have uh won't have pain they will be able to manage their pain much more uh in a, in a much more effective way uh, than what they currently do and this will lower the cost uh, for you as an insurer for example mm -hmm. but what does that mean practically how do you do that and this is when it becomes hard for for the business team to uh, for the sales team to go out there and uh, and not promise anything so if you are a strong player if you are a strong company and you are well established maybe you can do that but early in your in your uh, life as a company it's it's hard to uh, to really have the uh, have the upper end in uh, in this case yeah i've noticed this yeah like you said this is sort of more of an issue when you have only a few customers and you really need them and once you have sort of a more solid customer base you can say hey this is what we're offering and maybe in the future this is something that could add somewhere on our roadmap but we that's <laughs> the granularity of what we're offering yes so this is also where as much as i do share high level i i haven't dug very deep into the topic into the the in, into the movement of no estimates but i do see the value of uh, you know it's like it's going to be done when it's going to be done it's like that's the reality of it no matter what you say like even if you estimate <laughs> in the end reality <laughs> is true. what counts yeah. so uh, it's like yes i could have told you that it took 10 weeks and instead it took 5 that's just reality it took 5 if I tell you it's going to be two weeks and instead it's five, still going to be five, no matter what I say. So I do see their point, uh, the point of this movement. But uh, I also think that it depends a lot. Uh, you as a company, what are you able, what are, what are you actually doing? If you are a product company that sells directly to users in a way, maybe with investors, it might become more difficult. But in a way, it's easier to not promise, to say, we're not we're not estimating we are just doing whatever whatever it needs but if you are in a business to business for sure it's much harder not to say this will be available in a year so right now i'm really trying to figure out how to how to improve the accuracy of our estimations and and understand what can be done to uh, provide the sales team with um, you know something meaningful, we we don't have necessarily to to estimate using only time, for example, to make people understand the complexity of what we are doing. We could use uh, proxies. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying anything special. That's the concept of uh, the uh, t-shirt size or um, uh, what is that that other one? The the bucket size, uh, yeah. something like that. But this is sort of. This is sort of what we do. We ended up with t-shirt sizes. We just have yeah. three, S, M, and an L. And at least in our team, I see there, even with that, there are two problems. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, we do the estimation and that's it. 
okay. sort of estimation on a singular ticket. And I think what we are missing here is sort of a bit of a bigger planning session to figure out, hey, this is what we want to achieve. How can we cut this up into smaller pieces maybe a bit earlier? I think we did. We in the end didn't for that project didn't even do any estimation, I would argue. Yeah. And th this is maybe, maybe that is a bit too, too little. <laughs> Absolutely. This is yeah. what makes, I really, I do believe a big difference in, in being able to give uh, an accurate estimate. And again, saying it out loud, my brain is like, this is the dumbest thing you could ever say. It's all so obvious, but it's not that obvious that happens every single time. It was like people just keep forgetting about that. Yeah, I think in our case, it wasn't necessarily about forgetting. It was, was just, I don't know, you want to build that project and mm -hmm. you also need to do all the firefighting and yeah. onboarding and who's going to do it. It's probably going to be the developers because it's a very technical project. So we yeah. more or less have to do that. And where do we find the time? <laughs> And, and this is another another point uh, to uh, to the whole topic of estimation. Very often we're asked to estimate um, a single project and or or feature or whatever that is, and that is that that number that comes out of it is uh, then considered in a vacuum. Both from the engineers, very often, if you look at software engineers, they're going to think in terms of like how long this is going to take me to write, to create, to build. But if you, if you add all the other pieces, we need to test this. There's gonna be bugs. There's gonna be there's gonna be some time in order for I don't know catch the release train. Uh, there will be a change in requirement. A bunch of, of things. Then that original estimation of you taking like two days to write something is gonna be like four days or five days even, if not more. You have meetings. You have uh, your commuting. Uh, that day you're gonna be sick. Someone is gonna be on holiday, and a bunch of stuff and adds up. This is from an engineering perspective, from from the engineer perspective. But then there's a bunch of other things that come with uh, instead. Let's call it management to to use a. a umbrella term, but uh, like everybody else, stakeholders, uh, you name it, it's like very often these things, again, don't happen in a vacuum. A team is not only working on that thing, stuff is going to happen. Someone is going to leave, someone is going to join, uh, someone needs context. There are other things already in the pipeline. So from the moment that estimation is issued the, to the moment in which we're going to start working on it, the previous work stream is going to disappear. It's going to take some time. These are like literally threads that intersects each uh, intersect each other, and in order for the 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 single work stream to be to be done, it's gonna take actually much longer than originally thought. So in in hindsight, what uh, I remember, I think I I don't remember if it was my very first day of of work as a working student or something like that, but it was definitely very early uh, in in that period. There was this one guy uh, working in the field since like twenty years. And he looked at me and was like, whenever someone asks you for an estimate, add 20% and then add, add 20% more. Because more or less, that's how long it's going to take. So That's very conservative. <laughs> and it's a conservative estimate now yeah. that I think of it. Yeah. <laughs> but that is... That's actually the truth. That buffer that we put on top of things is not because 
you know, like we want to take it chill and, and have uh, two other coffees or we want to watch something on YouTube. It's just that reality is uh, gonna is gonna come in the way. Yeah, while you were talking, I was actually uh, writing stuff down for next week when when <laughs> because I think we are I hadn't really realized that we were really missing the a whole plan for it. So, I mean, I I wasn't missing the plan because I I sort of knew where we were going and I had it in my head and to sort of this was the other thing I did this week instead of working on the uh on the on the new app was actually writing it all down what I had in my head and what I, what my broad vision for it is because mm -hmm. I sort of tried to finish up the critical bits before I went on holiday and then I was surprised that basically <laughs> nothing had moved forward really? when I came back I would say part of it was of course the firefighting it was like only one person Mm -hmm. um, and one sort of one one developer was just onboarded. So in that sense, it's not so surprising. But I think the other issue was that it no one else really had that vision, and I hadn't really I had sort of had forgotten to share it with everyone. <laughs> yeah, that of course. I mean, it's it it's sort of understandable because it's a really new team, and uh, not everyone has the context. Yeah. But let's see. Yeah, but definitely this is a very good point. Like uh, we are also tackling a very big project. Someone before I joined, someone had came up with roughly an idea of how to uh, how to actually uh, have this project done, but not all the details were there. And in the meantime, months had passed. This person left to go to another team, another scope. So it's. It was, uh, it was really at, at some point I had this half baked project plan that mm -hmm. I had no idea how to actually make it happen. So then, uh, together with, uh, someone in my team, we we're like, okay, you are now the person responsible for, uh, for making this happen. How do we go about it? And in order for us to get to a point in which this project didn't look like any more Uh, it didn't look like this uh, gigantic monster anymore. Uh, this person did exactly what you just described. They started writing down uh, all the different pieces that they had in mind, how things could work together. It's like, oh, I started creating tickets for them. And over time, more and more stuff is surfacing. It's like, oh, but this we don't need. Or what are the edge cases? for this specific critical part. We haven't considered yeah. this. Or who is going to take care of dealing with the non-technical parts? Because there's also non-technical things that we have to take care of. Um, so... Uh, don't remind me. Sort of, We are sort of <laughs> migrating from one system to the next. We, we sort of have to migrate customers and it, this is going to take months in the end <laughs> before exactly. we get finally to the point where we can delete the old crappy code. <laughs> Yeah, which is sort of the uh, end goal, at least we for are, me. We're <laughs> migrating users from one database to another, but only some users. We have to split our US and well, our non-EU and our EU user base because we are a medical company. Uh, we are our product is a medical device and digital medical device, and therefore, in order to be used in Europe and being and uh, us being able to prescribe uh, this uh, uh, for doctors to prescribe our uh, our product, we need to be located in Europe. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but 
I mean, the same is true for us. We sort of have uh, in Europe, in the US, and I don't care where, basically. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. we have to split it three ways. We can sort of that, or sort of the user data needs to be split three ways. And then we can, of course, have other services that talk to them all. Mm -hmm. But you have to be very sure that these services never sort of get in contact with the actual yeah. user identifiable data. So for us, it's not affordable to take months because uh, there is some time to market that we need to uh, to have. So we had to uh, also our options were restricted because we couldn't really do it uh, slowly but steadily. I mean, we could have done that if we would have started months ago, but months ago there were literally no people, not that now there's uh, too many more, but there's some more. <laughs> there were literally <laughs> no people that could do it. Yeah. So, and this is where, you know, like the strategy, a company and, and a technical perspective, this was something that I never really thought out loud until I saw, and for the love of me, I cannot find that article anymore. I saw this representation of an engineering strategy. It was a technical strategy for an engineering department. And there was literally not only like, oh, we have to migrate our database to Aurora, or we have to, um, you know, refactor this big piece into uh, of, of our system. But there was also like, oh, we have to hire this many engineers. And I, yeah. I didn't realize that, you know, part of a technical strategy, there's also that part. And it has to be said out loud. If you don't have the people, nobody can execute the strategy. So that's definitely part of the strategy. Yeah, and of course, I mean, this is sort of nothing new. Even if you add the people, then you'll have a few months where it's actually going to be slower than than before. Yes. Right. This is the what? What's it? Does it come from the mythical man month? I, I think, think that's where so. it comes from. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good book is, to read. Yeah, this is sort of the the issue there. Of course, you do have to plan ahead, mm -hmm. and we are sort of. If I can come back to our project, we are basically having to catch up with knowledge that has been lost over the fast, yes. last few years, and this is going to take a while. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, and this is also something that I started realizing uh, after uh, after like lately after talking with a friend of mine that uh, that is. Uh, probably one of the smartest people I know, and uh, reading a little bit, there, there's this concept of um, attaching probability to your estimates that, as I said, intuitively, I think we, I, I told you this in the pre-show, intuitively, I did early in my career when mm -hmm. I was asked, my answer would be, I've never worked on that piece of code, therefore, I don't know, and I have to attach a much higher estimation because I literally do not know what's lying ahead. But so if you if you collect enough data points over your history uh, as a team, as a as a manager, as a, as an individual contributor, you can match. It's like if you compare the uh, the size of the things you you have to do, and you have a good enough understanding, you can draw this curve of how long it's gonna take, and uh, and your confidence attached to it. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm with a 50% confidence level with a P50. <laughs> yeah, sort of I can the, say the that, good one, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like probability, I have 50% 50 uh, 50 chance of being able to implement this in 10 days, let's say. And then a smart 
PM or a smart company could either accept that that, that estimate, but probably the smart course of action would be, okay, what do you need to get to an 80% confidence? Because then that's a good enough plan. Like 50% is literally like throwing a coin in the air and just like, okay, whatever. Um, But if you get to a level that it's 70 or 80%, there's a good chance that we're going to be able to hit the goal. And if that's not the case, we're not going to be that crazy different, right? So even if you have a customer that you say, hey, listen, it we had to take, uh, we said that it's going to take two months. It's actually taking two months and a half. Is that that big of a deal? It's like it's two weeks. What are we talking about? Yeah, we are not even, if we, are, we are sort of here. We are talking a bit about longer time frames. Yes, which of, of course. course makes the estimation even harder to do. Yes, because again, the project is much bigger. The the potential disruptions due to life are uh, are much more likely to be there. So, what I find fascinating is that yet again, as a as an industry, and I'm talking about software engineering here, um, we haven't yet have we even looked at the other engineering disciplines to see what they're what they are doing there because I, I was very often it's like software engineering is compared to uh, i don't know construction it's like oh it's like you you have to build something how difficult it can be turns uh, out <laughs> turns out <laughs> that construction projects are just as often delayed and uh, uh, and underestimated as software yeah. engineering projects so there's literally not much that you can do. I mean, we're building as humans, we're building stuff since how long? <laughs> it's a very long time. Yeah. Uh, not something yeah. from the from the 40s. If we really, really want to go super back with uh, computer history, uh, with software engineering history. So I don't think that this is really something that uh, is do like our inaccuracy at estimating i don't think it's really something that is tied to the age of the of the discipline mm. it's just humans and human systems are are complex yeah that's true right so what i am taking with me for next week is that i will sort of write a spike a really small and quick one mm-hmm. and then i will sort of try to come up with all the things that I, at least I find it easier to think about what do you need to add to, to this concrete piece of code to make it do the whole thing you need instead of mm-hmm. starting without nothing. Then I want to sort of come up with all the bits and then hopefully we can sort of as a team discuss this and maybe at least come up with a list of things we want to do. And then we have a better way of saying, hey, if we sort of cut this up week by week, more or less, and we roughly say this is what we're going to make and this is the outcome, then we can sort of track if it's going to work, right? And yeah. we say, hey, we are sort of instead of this, we're only doing 50%. And then we can already say, hey, whew, <laughs> this might not work. Yeah, what I'm taking with me, it's something similar in a way. It's like no matter uh, no matter the project, really writing down what what needs to be done and being okay with that plan not being perfect from the very beginning that that's necessary and and helps a lot uncovering uh more and more what what are where are the dark 
spots in in all of this. Furthermore, as a as a manager of a team, that collecting historical data points to infer how accurate we are over time, if the things are compatible, of course, it's uh, it's something that it's uh, it's much it's very useful to be confident when estimating or when asked what is the estimation over something. And uh, I, I want to dig deeper into this uh, idea of uh, probability to also help in the end, because that's that's the fact, uh, in the end, uh, helping uh, the other side of the team then battle their monsters. Yeah. One last piece of advice. Uh, it came to mind once uh, you named the Mythical Man Month. Um, I had this experience uh, this uh, this summer. I picked up a book, Radical Candor, that I read almost all the way through, but ages ago, and I wanted to finish. And I was like, okay, it's only a few pages left, but I basically do not remember anything about it uh, from, from the very beginning. Let, let me go back and start it again. After three years in management, that is a game changer. So... The piece of advice is I, whenever you read something and you haven't been in that situation before, after a while, go back, read again that book, because there will be so much unearthed gold that you didn't really grasp in the first read. Um, mm -hmm. So in the first reading, so just do it again. <laughs> All right. So I guess we're done. Uh, for day, today. For today, yeah, yes. we are back to sort of shorter episodes after the last one with yeah. Francisca, which sort of, if you look at the graph of episodes on the X axis and Y axis is how long they take, you sort of have this <laughs> spike <laughs> for the last episode because it's like, bam, I don't know, 50% longer than anything we have ever done. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. But it was worth it. Okay, yes, it was totally. Really great. All right. So, Monica, where can people find you? So people can find me again on Twitter uh, since a while at uh, KF Molly with an I. You can find me on LinkedIn, name, surname, that's easy. You can find me uh, on a bunch of social networks and uh, other platforms like GitHub, for example, with the name Nearnet. Most important of all, you can find my uh, personal website at uh, monicag.com. Um, me and where people can find you, Urban. <laughs> Monica G. Me, it even rhymes. <laughs> you can find me basically on Twitter. There will be links in the show notes for other stuff, but I guess this is the, the one that's interesting. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can write us an email at, at hosts at expandingbeyond.it or you can. Uh, find us like on Twitter. There's also an account for the podcast. And if you want to uh, help us grow the podcast more, why don't you, I don't know, recommend it to your friends, post mm -hmm. it to your social media or stuff like that. All right, Monica, have a nice uh, sunny Saturday afternoon then. You too. Bye, bye. bye. Peeps. <laughs>